For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, click Grainger.com, or just stop by. Granger For the ones who get it done. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome to the Believe in Steelers podcast on the Believe Podcast Network. I'm your host, Mark Bergen, joined as always by two-time Super Bowl champion and 12-year veteran of the Pittsburgh Steelers, Ike Taylor. Ike, happy Tuesday. How's it going, man? Mark and Mark, happy Tuesday. What a day to be alive. Absolutely. And on today's show, we'll answer listener questions and talk about what the XFL must do to sustain itself. But we're going to start with the Pittsburgh Steelers signing general manager Kevin Colbert through the 2021 draft. Now, Colbert, he was instrumental in bringing safety Minka Fitzpatrick to Pittsburgh from Miami in week three in exchange for a package that included a first-round pick, something that we're going to see in the upcoming 2020 NFL draft. And Colbert's had a storied history with the Steelers, too. Ike won two Super Bowls, Super Bowls that you were on the team for, but Pittsburgh going 8-8 eight and eight in 2019. We'll see how the Steelers fare you know, in this upcoming offseason, in the draft, and how they fare in the 2020 season. Yeah, I mean, that's a good look for the organization. Kev got one more year. I know Kev very well, and that's Kevin Colbert, the general manager for the Pittsburgh Steelers. If there's a Hall of Fame general manager, it should be him. If you just look at all pros, Pro Bowls, Hall of Fame guys so far under his name, I mean, right now he got <laughs> – you got Troy right now under his name, Hall of Fame. Alan Fanica will get to the Hall of Fame. Big Ben will get to the Hall of Fame. Marquise Pouncey will get to the Hall of Fame. If Dwight keep doing what he's doing, he will get to the Hall of Fame. DeCastro, the way he's playing, if he can stay healthy, will get to the Hall of Fame. Hines Ward, Hall of Fame. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> you could just, you can go down the list. <laughs> You can go down the list. James Harrison, it just depends on who's in the ballot between him and Jordan Porter. It's going to be a long shot, very long shot, but defensive players of the year, all pro players, pro bowl players. Like if you just look at his resume as a GM and who he drafted and how successful the Pittsburgh Steelers have been, really, the last couple of years been the only time where he went outside of the draft, Joe Hayden, Minka, you know, to kind of put the pieces to the puzzle. So if you just want to look at Kev's resume, a Le'Veon Bell or Antonio Brown or Big Ben or Mike Wallace, Emmanuel Sanders, Plexico Burris, or Heinz Ward, or Antoine Randall-Ells, Antonio Holmes, Heath Miller. <laughs> Bro, we can go on for days. <laughs> 
we go on for days, Mark. Like, man, you just you just like golly, myself in the fourth round, Deshay Towns in the fourth round. Me and Deshay used to always talk about we're gonna be the first fourth round draft picks to ever start and win Super Bowls. And damn near, we sure was. <laughs> you know? So a Chris Hope, you know, getting the outside guy Tyrone Carter. Tyrone Carter was a third dope award winner for Minnesota. He ain't number five, six. He'll tell you he five ten. He lying. Um <laughs> Brian McFadden, Ricardo Copeland, man. We can just, you know, got exchange for James Ferrier come. And James Ferrier was a first-round draft pick for the New York Jets. It didn't work out well with James, but Pot Dog wound up coming to Pittsburgh and took off a Larry Foote fourth-rounder. Aaron Smith, fifth-rounder. Brett Kiesel, sixth-rounder. Casey Hampton, Hall of Fame, first-rounder. Man, we can go Lamar Woodley. <laughs> I mean, we can go on for days. Just... <laughs> This don't stop, Bud, to, Bud Dupree finally came around. This is this Vince Williams, you know, fifth rounder. This don't stop. <laughs> we, can, we can keep going on for days. And, you know, Ron Chazelle didn't get hurt. Ain't no telling how many defensive league MVPs he was going to have, period. I don't know if you mentioned so, Devin Bush, too. I mean, that's just another yeah, guy. Yeah, I, right? I ain't even finished. Like, under his resume, my opinion, and we can check this for next week. I guarantee you Kev has the most pro bowlers and all pros under his belt as a GM, let alone two Super Bowls. Guarantee. He joined the team in 2000 as director of football operations, recently finished his 10th season as general manager. He's going to have to be pretty creative, though, in this offseason, considering that the Steelers' first pick in the draft won't be until the second round. And he doesn't have much cap space to work with free agency starts at four o'clock eastern time on march 18th so it'll be interesting to see if the steelers can continue the success that they've had as a franchise 16 straight non-losing seasons and that is the second longest active streak in the nfl something we talk a lot about coach mike tomlin and his success as a coach but ike you always mention this week in and week out it starts with the ownership from the top down, and it starts with the front office and the front office and the top down and how the organization is run. And that has been stable, and there, there's been stability there. And the best franchises in this league have that, and the Steelers have had that with Kevin Colbert and company. Yeah, Kev, just, you know, Doug Whaley. Now Doug Whaley is the head guy from the XFL. <laughs> like, he was under the tree of Kev. Man, we can go down the line. I think I was the only active player who sat in draft meetings in, on draft day. And the only time they told me was leave when it was real business, probably trying to trade my butt, when it was real business to get out. I'd come back in, but you need to step out. Totally understood that. But um, to see how they do it, I'm a huge fan of it. I love being a part of the drafting process, the watching tape, the finding the gems and all that good stuff. So, but yeah, getting back to Kevin Cobb and that organization, like it starts with the Roonies. Then they don't get enough credit. And really it's Mr. Art. Mr. Art really don't get enough credit because he don't say too much. You know, since his dad died, nobody, Papa or Dan, nobody really say too much about Art, but it all starts with Art. So the Rooney family, like you said, and from the front office, and it's just a domino effect down to the coaches and the players. So. That's how you win championships. You know, that's how you win championships. And you can see 
when you have a good head coach like Coach Mike Tomlin, you know, it shows. And I thought Coach T, and shout out to Coach Jim Harbaugh because what he, how he turned that organization around in just a year, just a couple of months, like six months. You know, even though they did went to the playoffs last year, it's like, dang, you know, Lamar Jackson got showed up. And for Coach Jim Harbaugh just to turn that team around and to turn that offense around in a couple of months says a lot about him and Greg Roman. On the flip side, I'm sorry, Coach Mike Tomlin forgot to lose his, his center for a couple of games, his starting quarterback, damn near 14 games. A running back who was an all-pro pro bowler and Le'Veon Bell, a receiver. Now get down to his third string quarterback and for a team to go 8-8, eight and eight, for a team. And I don't think people really pay attention how hard it is, one, to win in the NFL, Two, if you was in Coach Tomlin's position, could your team go in eight and eight? Because they have teams going seven and nine and eight and eight with they starters. So to see what Coach T did and kept that team together and rallied them together, it, for me, other than the Super Bowl runs, this was his best year coaching. And I've said this throughout the season, like this is what Coach Tomlin, this this what he liked, like. He, he liked being put in this position and his back against the wall. And he really proved how good of a coach he was this year through the adversity and everything those guys went through. I mean, they was winning big games on the road. I mean, your third-string quarterback going against Phillip Rivers on the road. He ain't got a shot. Monday night football, you ain't got a shot. People say you ain't got a shot, you know. So, Coach T, and he's giving blueprints, even – if you watch on the second time, the Baltimore Ravens and the Pittsburgh Steelers, like Coach T gave the blueprint how to stop, you know, that run, that run read option. I don't, I don't think people was checking that out. Like, I be peeping everything. Like, so then, you know, when, when Tennessee played them, they, they ran the same defense. Pittsburgh, they ran the same exact defense the Pittsburgh Steelers ran. So it's a lot of blueprints he throw out there that people starting to see. So shout out to Coach Tomlin. There was a reason why Coach Tomlin was in running, was a candidate for NFL Coach of the Year, even though the Steelers just missed out on the playoffs going eight and eight. Decision I'll remember from this past season with Coach Tomlin that really resonated with me was the first time that the Steelers played Baltimore, first time they played the Ravens, goes into overtime and he decides to kick the ball to Lamar Jackson he got a motto, he said, and it says, don't blink. So he always goes by that motto. Like, I'm not thinking twice about nothing. This is what I'm doing. But everybody knew the, the strength to that team was the defense. You know, once, once Big Ben went down and once your second string guy got a concussion, everybody pretty much going forward knew the strength was that defense. And as a defensive guy, a former defensive player, we went to coin toss. We always, coach, please put us on, please. please. It's, like, it's like, it's like some caged animals. We ain't eat, we ain't eat about three weeks. And them opponents over there, they, but that meat look good over there, coach. Like, what you doing? And he ain't hesitate, cause he's thinking, man, I'm gonna stop Lamar. Now, their defense on my time. You know, I still, I can, I can run the plays I want to play. So. I can understand Coach T. Coach T thinking is, huh, he ain't thinking twice. That's his thinking. His thinking is he ain't thinking twice. <laughs> like he's confident 
whatever his thought is at that time, that's what he's doing. Ike, we're into the NFL offseason now. Hot take season has arrived. A lot of the programs on ESPN, NFL Network, they've got to fill shows. They've got to fill that time with content. And so there were two that I found in advance from today's show. And just head scratching. And this is something we actually disagree on. So Brad Gagnon from Bleacher Report wrote, that it's time for the Steelers to cut ties with Big Ben and to find a quarterback in 2020 free agency. We disagree a little bit here. My whole contention is this. Okay, yes, Big Ben's getting up there. He's coming off that elbow injury. But who's the alternative to Big Ben? This story that was written in Bleacher Report mentions Cam Newton is the very first option to replace Big Ben. So I you think that the Steelers should try to find a guy to replace Ben Roethlisberger. Which direction would you go? Yeah, now is the time. You know, what, Big Ben got a year left on his contract? Uh, seven can't play forever. You know, and, I, and we don't know how he's going to come back off of the elbow. You know, so his throwing elbow. I do want to just interrupt real quick. He has two years left on his contract, but there is a potential out in 2021. So he's not due to become an unrestricted free agent until 2022. But again, there is that potential out in 2021. Yeah. So let's, he got two years technically, but let's say one year. And that just depends on what the elbow looking like. So it's his throwing elbow, right? So Big Ben, his throwing elbow, he's up in age. I mean, last year for the how the defense played, would the defense would have played like that considering Big Ben would have been starting. It's always one or the other. You know what I'm saying? So it's very seldom do you see a good offense and a good defense. You're gonna you're gonna be one side dominant. I mean, you can just look at KC. They wanted they was one side dominant. Like they had to how-powered offense and San Fran, how-powered defense. Like, it's going to be one side dominant. You know what I'm saying? That's just It's hard to find teams who are real good on both sides all the time in the NFL. It's just hard. So, I mean, the defense understood, man, we can only give up few, you know, what, 13, 14 points. We can't give up too many points. And they understood and they knew that. Right now, your strength to the Pittsburgh Steelers, one is that defense because right, pretty much all of them in their prime. Minka in his prime. The only one really on the back end is Joe Hayden. TJ in his prime, Bud in his prime, Devin just came, Devin, Cam in his prime, Stephon in his prime. You got you out of eleven guys, you got at least nine guys in a prime. In a prime. So I hear you. I, I hear you about the defense. You make a great point with that. Who would you either bring in? to learn from Big Ben, or who would you bring in to replace Big Ben? I would draft, because I'm, look, I'm, I'm looking at seven like the replacement. So I'm not, I'm not looking to replace him right now. He's the replacement, especially coming off of injury. So, you know, I'm just going I, I to like, – I like the young man from Oregon. I don't think he's going to be around, but I like the young man, the quarterback from Oregon. He showed me, he showed me a lot of grit. He showed me, I'm going to tell you what he showed me. From his personality to his attitude, 
his team showed me they, they'll play for him. His teammates showed me they'll play for him. And that's and, Justin Herbert out of Oregon, just for the listeners. Yeah, yeah, Justin Herbert out of Oregon. When you see teammates playing for you, especially when you, when you mess up in the game and everybody rallies around you and be like, bro, don't trip, I got you. That says a lot. And we talk about this a lot on our show, Mark. The sideline is telling the story. People pay attention to it. It's not everything that's going on the field. The sideline tell you everything, whether coaches are beefing with coaches, whether players dislike coaches, whether players dislike players. The sideline will tell you the story on everything that's going on in that organization or in that college. And to see Justin, to see the guys rally around him, he, when they score, when they celebrate, the first thing they do is come to him. So it's like, dang, y'all forgetting the dude who just caught the ball, just ran the ball in. <laughs> but it, it, it says a lot about the character and the personality. Because for a quarterback, man, you the CEO. And sometimes it's time to change, to get a year under, just to see what Seven's, you know, elbow looking like. And right now, you know, these days, kids are coming in and starting. This 707 has changed the, since high school. If you've been playing 707, you damn near be playing football year-round. This 707 has changed the game and perspective of a lot of guys in football, but especially the quarterbacks. The quarterbacks are getting reps after reps after reps after reps after reps seeing the field. So I like Justin. I don't think he'll beat up, but I like Justin a lot. Sitting for a year under a quarterback, I think, is really beneficial. I look at how Aaron Rodgers was under Brett Favre, how Patrick Mahomes did the same thing under Alex Smith in Kansas City. I think learning from a guy who is a consummate pro has its benefits. So if the Steelers are able to get someone in there who can learn from him, and they thought that that could possibly be Mason Rudolph. Rudolph. They thought that, you know, I mean, I know Devlin Hodges was undrafted and everything, but the Steelers do need to figure that out long-term big picture because Big Ben's in his upper 30s now. He's getting up there in age. Yeah. Like the other hot take that I saw, Akbar Bajambiamila on NFL mm-hmm. Network, he was on advocating for the Browns to take a flyer on Case Keenum instead of Baker Mayfield. He called Baker Mayfield a bum. I thought it was hilarious, too, because Akbar also left his number for the listeners to call in if they, you know, felt that they he was wrong. But it was like, of all the guys you could advocate for, like, Case Keenum, like, what? And for me, it's just, it's just as simple as this. If you're a fan out there and you're frustrated with your team, a certain player, coach, general manager, if you're going to advocate for that person to lose his job, have a viable option or a viable alternative to what could actually be a solution. There's a reason why Case Keenum is a journeyman. Baker Mayfield, former number one overall pick, had a bad second season, headed into his third year. If you haven't seen the segment, it's hilarious. Yeah, I've seen it. I know Akbar. I used to work with Akbar. I don't pay attention to Akbar <laughs> whatsoever. Akbar is, a, Akbar is a hell of a fantasy guy. Well, James uh, Jones, like, laughed him off the set. Yeah, I mean, I, in my head, I was just laughing right now, but only Akbar 
would say something like, and be dead serious, and be so serious. But I'm not Akbar. I mean, Baker Mayfield did have a bad year. With this new coach, you just get a feeling they're going to turn things around. He's the dad in the building. And we talked about this. So, But, yeah, you're going to replace him with Case Keenum. Um, it's a reason why, you know, <laughs> trucks and trailers. And, you know, between him and Ryan Fitzpatrick, they, they pass trailers. It's a trailer after a trailer. So it's a reason why you've been a journeyman. Double trailer. So, yeah, I got, a, I got a double trailer, man. I got to gas up every 50 miles. You, <laughs> you putting a lot, you putting a lot on my shoulders. Golly. Um, but yeah, Akbar, man. Akbar just, <laughs> Akbar just talking. Mark. Ain't nobody worried about Akbar, man. <laughs> Are you pumping your own gas, Iquin? <laughs> yeah, damn, damn no. Oh, I got a fast leap. One or two. Eric, let's take a quick break. Support for today's episode of the Believe in Steelers podcast comes from Manscaped.com. Manscaped is the company with the best equipment for below-the-belt men's grooming. It's Lawnmower 3.0 Manscaping trimmers now available for purchase. It includes the leading cutting-edge ceramic blade to prevent manscaping accidents. Get 20% off and free shipping with the code BELIEVE. That's B-L-E-A-V at Manscaped.com. That's 20% off with free shipping at manscapes.com. Use code BELIEVE, B-L-E-A-V. Ike, Phillip Rivers will not be with the Chargers next season after 16 seasons with the team. He now enters free agency. Where do you think he winds up in 2020? At home. That's where he need to be. <laughs> Phillip. Retired. Phillip, Phillip Rivers had a nice little run. This, this, this ain't. And I love Philip. Philip is my guy. I love him to death. The ultimate competitor. Ultimate trash talker, too. And I love it. That's what I love about him. Philip, stay home, bro. What, he got 12 kids now? <laughs> something, like, something like that. I know he's got a lot of them, but yeah. Go on, stay home, bro. Go on, go on stay home, man. It's, I'd rather you walk out with good health and, you know, your stats looking good. I don't, it's going to be a lot of people going to argue, should you be in the Hall of Fame? Me, I think you should. But going on, this, the, the game is changing. These, these quarterbacks, it's hard to be a pocket quarterback right now. You can't be a liability. And I've seen Phillip Rivers for so long be a truck, carry the team. His last couple of years, he's been a trailer. He's been hurting the team. So, and as you get older, you ain't going to go from truck to trailer back to a truck. That's just what you is. Father time going to catch up with everybody. Has any guy done that before? Maybe like Brett Favre? I mean, Brett Favre, but people forget how mobile Brett Favre was. Like, yeah. Brett Favre was very mobile. Like, he, he threw a lot of picks as well, too. Yeah. Let's not forget that. Yeah. But as far as, like, mobility, like, Brett Favre was mobile as hell. Like, he just... He just ain't now he'll sit in the pocket and take one for the team to throw a, a bullet if he needed to. But Brett still at an older age, he can move. We acting like Brett Favre, and there's only a few like that. Like That's a great point. You 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 can just tell because of his body shape, his body size. You can tell Aaron Rodgers when he get older, he's still gonna be able to move. Like just just how his body is built. Tom can't do that. Phillip can't do that. Even Big Ben, if Big Ben just get back to 
boxing shape. And what I mean by boxing shape is tip-top tape shape. Big Ben is able to move a little bit. So, but the, the pocket quarterbacks right now, these young guys coming off the edge, these D tackles, it's, 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 making them, it's making them hard for just for, for this generation now is just to sit in the pocket. And, you know, Phillip, you know, Phillip has become that trailer. And I don't want to see, selfishly speaking, I don't want to see Phillip go out, you know, as a trailer towards the end of his career. He's been a truck for so long. A stat that shows his ability to stay on the field, 224 consecutive starts, zero ever missed. And I know he's played through a number of injuries throughout his career. Man, this man played in the playoffs with a torn ACL. I seen this man play with a torn. Now, I'm not going to question his toughness. <laughs> I'm not going to question none of that. I done seen a man play with a torn ACL. With a torn ACL. I done seen it. So, you want to talk about an old country cowboy that's a tough son of a gun? That's Phillip Rivers. But I think his time is caught up with him. Father time has caught up with him. I'm getting tired of him looking like a trailer for the past two years. He had a truck status for a long time. He ever say anything to you on the field? Oh, we talk numbers, man. Hey, hey, two, four, you know I'm coming after you. You know I'm coming after you. And I'll get the rambling at the mouth, and we'll get the rambling at the mouth. Like, one, he's not short of words. Two, he has a boatload boatload of confidence. Three, he ain't scared of nobody. He ain't scared of nobody. They have 12 kids. I'm sure you ain't scared of nothing. That's how I look at it. But Phillip just a good Like enough for a baseball team, you know? Man, got a whole football team. Yeah. And, and, a, sub, and a sub. He still can sub one. <laughs> <laughs> but, yeah, Phillip, Phillip, hell of a dude, man. Hell of a competitor. Absolutely. Right now, the live odds favor the Buccaneers as the favorite at plus 150. So, pairing maybe with Bruce Arians, who resurrected Carson Palmer's career in Arizona. You know, you could, you've got a nice little pairing there with Mike Evans, Chris Godwin, and uh, O.J. Howard out of Alabama. You could, you know, have some talent, at least from an offensive standpoint. At the same time, though, you're talking about a Buccaneers team with the second longest active playoff drought in the NFL. But the Bucs right now are the favorite. And I know that Rivers has moved his family to Florida. We'll see what ends up happening there. He got tired of paying the San Diego, L.A. taxes. Yeah, feel- no. No, uh, in, in Florida, you don't have a state income tax. No, we living good out here, baby. Absolutely. We live, we living good. So you think he should retire. Do you think that's what he'll end up deciding to do? Or do you think he'll go to another team? What do you think will happen? If he got the options he like, he'll go. But if he don't have the options that he like, he going to retire. Me personally, I think he just needs to retire. That's just how I feel. And I'm feeling that way towards Tom Brady as well. Like me personally, I think Tom Brady needs to retire. Had a hell of a run. But Tom Brady's one, you know, Tom Brady, and we make a lot of excuses from TB12, but he, he was starting to look like a look like the trailer. You know, so and you and people just want to hold on for his past and think he can always do it. Nah, man, a man out of 20 years, a man had a hell of a run. But just looking at tape, man, he's he's looking like a trailer. And that's why Coach Belichick has been – Coach Belichick made that decision decision between 
Drew Bledsoe and Tom Brady. I think people forget forget about that, but that was a long time ago. And Coach Belichick wanted to go, you know, Garoppolo over Tom Brady. But, you know, Mr. Crab, they say Mr. Crab had a lot to do with that. But I think Tom, Tom should sit it down as well. You know, but Tom wants seven. And seven means he wants seven rings. And I can, I can understand uh, from where he's came, six-round draft pick, nobody really gave him a shot except for Belichick. Then you come out on top, but you've been to nine Super Bowls, one, one six. I mean, I mean, you don't want more than organizations put together. You know, except for Pittsburgh and San Fran, you don't want more than them. Between everybody else, you don't got one person got more rings than organizations. So, but I think it's just time to hang it up because he's too much of a trailer, just like. Just like that mobility I'm talking about with Phillip Rivers is the same mobility I'm talking about with Tom. Like he's, right now, it's just the generation is changing, man. These young kids, man, they're they're superior athletes at that position. You know, they're mobile. Guys ahead of the game is going to be, like I said, Aaron Rodgers, as he get old, he's still going to be mobile because Brett Favre did it. Russell Wilson, as he get older, he's still going to be mobile. Like you're going to have guys and, you know, these defensive cornerbacks, like, they're not going to let you, you know, have time in the pocket like they used to. So now you got to be a magician. And if you can't scramble or be mobile, you're going to be a liability. And look at the two guys who was in. I mean, even though Jimmy Garoppolo is somewhat mobile, like, the plays that Patrick Mahomes used to usually play is off-script plays. His big plays are off script. Uh, Lamar Jackson, if you just look at some of his plays, they're off script. And that's just the way the quarterback position is going right now in the NFL. I just can't imagine a world where Tom Brady's not in a Patriots uniform. And I know a lot of the Cowboys fans are talking about, well, if Dak leaves in free agency, which I don't think that'll happen either. It could be a quarterback carousel this offseason. Phillip Rivers was kind of the first domino in that. I am excited to see how it all unfolds, but to kind of go through all hypothetical scenarios, we'll see kind of once teams start to actually make moves with the start of free agency on March 18th, I think we can get a better picture of how it's going to unfold. Because right now, I mean, with the number of guys that are unrestricted free agents, it's like, okay, are they actually due to hit free agency and explore the market or are they just going to wind up back with the team that they've always been on? because of that continuity. Let's go to a listener question. And Jordan Wood writes in, and we're going to transition a little bit into our XFL discussion now. Jordan Wood writes, any predictions on the number of XFL players that will get NFL contracts? One that comes to mind is DC defenders kicker Ty Rousa sank a 54-yard field goal. It's going to be tough just off of two games because I watched a Saturday and Sunday game. You give me about the fourth week. What was the name, Jordan? Jordan, yeah. If Jordan give me about the fourth week, I'll be able to tell who I think will have a legit, legit shot of making it to the NFL. Obviously, it's the punter from the Raiders, Marquette King. I think he still should be in the NFL. Obviously, he's not. But I think he should be. I really haven't seen too much. Give me about four weeks, Jordan, and I'll get a good – 
idea on who's been consistent, who I think got slighted out of the NFL and the XFL, and who I think should be in the NFL, at least give them a shot. And a lot of these guys will get tape. They'll get invites to training camp and everything too because, you know, for an NFL team to go from training camp all the way down to its 53-man active roster, then you've obviously guys, got guys on the practice squad and everything too. They're going to get an opportunity now and an opportunity to prove themselves that they might not have otherwise had. So I think that'll be a key for this league. I think the same thing could be said for coaches trying to get higher profile positions, whether that be at the NFL level, college level. So I think they'll have opportunities there too. And I, something I wanted to talk about today with the XFL discussion, I thought the league had a great debut over the weekend. The key to me, if this league is going to sustain itself and avoid the same fate that the AAF had and the XFL when it launched originally in 2001 will be this. Obviously, drawing a rating on the broadcasts, XFL will broadcast on ABC and Fox, FS1 and ESPN will also carry games. So they've got good placement there. They have positioned themselves good there. But can they get underclassmen players who want to turn pro and make money before three years spent at the college level. So kind of what am I talking about here, right? Take a guy like Clemson quarterback Trevor Lawrence, a guy who's won a national championship, who you could argue if he was allowed to enter the NFL would be a top draft pick in the first round. If a guy like that says, you know what? I don't want to play at the college level. I'd rather turn pro, start making money, start to establish endorsement deals. I think if the XFL can establish that, you might have something here. It's crazy you said that because I think that's what, where it's going right now. Guys who are on the borderline of getting into the NFL or the XFL who can make money as underclassmen in the XFL. So it was like, do I wait and try to give myself a chance and getting drafted? Because there's only a few draft picks in the NFL. So do I wait and give myself a chance on getting drafted or do I shoot and go for the XFL. Um, I think the XFL will open the door for underclassmen. And I think you will have to be a junior to make that decision. I'm just guessing. I'm guessing. But I'm guessing you will have to be a junior to make that decision. Now, after you make that decision, time will tell, but you will have to see how the XFL, now, if the XFL start doing draft picks, then it's a whole nother story. So if the XFL started getting drafts, one through seven, they starting to take the NFL, you know, kind of regimen on how they do it in the NFL drafts. That would be even perfect, especially on underclassmen. But I think it'll work out fine in the way it's looking and how it looks. And they didn't try it twice with XFL the first time with McMahon. Then you come to the AAF, which fell. That's the second time. On the third time, I think they finally got it. And the reason why I think they finally got it because has a lot to do with Andrew Luck that. Um, so Mr. Luck, I think he figured it out. I think he got the right piece together. I think he, he's learned from other people's mistakes, so say. And at the same time, from a big picture on how I look at it, it's taking away Canadian football and just keeping it in the United States. So um, I had a few homeboys who did very well in Canada. The only thing that killed them was the taxes. You know, taxes hurt them. Uh, the cold weather hurt them. Uh, so now you get to stay in the United States. 
You have eight teams right now, you know, telling the next year they probably if if it's if it's looking the way it's looking this year, next year they just gonna add two more teams. Then the following that it's it's just gonna keep building and building and building and building. But I'm looking at the underclassmen coming out of college. You have to be a junior. And and the reason why I'm saying you have to be a junior is because because of the body. You know, football is a grown man sport, so your body has to develop. And I'm thinking by a junior, your body is damn near fully developed coming from high school to college. Then you can get a a parameter on, you know, do I have a shot of going to the league? Because it's, it's small. What is 200-something people drafted for the NFL? It's small, bro. It's a small window to get – I mean, you have over picture, – picture Division One, Division Two, Division Three colleges have at least over 100, 100 kids. Let's just say, hypothetically speaking, 100 kids, 100 kids on that roster. Only two. So we – what, four, five hundred thousand total? Between one division one, two, and three, you have over four hundred thousand football players between them divisions. Only two hundred of those kids, let's say two fifty, getting drafted. Bro, that's <laughs> that's tough. That's tough. So now you add the XFL, if they want to do the draft and give the same scenario as the NFL, now we just doubling. You know, now I can go up to 500 plus free agents, plus a practice squad. Like, but at least the kids feel like they have a way to make some money, you know, other than trying to go into the NFL, which is hard to do. And, you know, football is about to be year round, Mark. So it's a good look. I like it. You stole the words right from my mouth, Ike. It's filling the void the week after we just had Super Bowl 54. And the timing of it, the things that the XFL can control, they've done a great job of. So launching it right when there's that void, there's that lull where there's college basketball and I'm trying to start to do my homework with that with March Madness right around the corner in a month. But other than college basketball, NBA and, and hockey, which the NBA and hockey still have months away from their mm-hmm. post seasons, there's this void and so ten weeks and exactly and so you've got that I thought the pace of play with the 25 second play clock was great the sideline interviews oh man and <laughs> I think it was in the first game one of the players you Got know fumbled. yeah yeah and and was, what happened? Right <laughs> yeah like, I, but, like it's great it's great it's great tv it's, it's yeah it's yeah it's different it's different like you pissed off you fumble you got a reporter right there talking about so what happened <laughs> <laughs> I think they had a meme already about that, Mark. They had a meme already. Like, I can't even gather my thoughts. Like, <laughs> somebody going to get pissed off. Yeah. Somebody going to get But it's, it's, it's something totally different. Like, the reporters are on the sideline. Like, hey, such and such, you threw that interception. What you was thinking? <laughs> and, here go the, and here go the mic. Your thoughts. So, but I, I like it. I like it. I like it. I like it, man. You You, you going to get a lot of. By doing that from a reporter standpoint, you're going to have a lot of content because you're going to get guys heated in a moment who are not thinking. And on the flip side of that, you're going to get some guys that you're going to be like, oh, okay, I get it, I get it. But for the most part, you're going to get a lot of guys who 
who are heated because <laughs> I'm in a moment. That's my sanctuary. So now I got a reporters in my sanctuary. Like I'm supposed to be thinking about this one either with my coach, my teammate, or by myself. Now I got reporters with the mic, and you got to do it. <laughs> I got a reporter with the mic in my face. Golly. So that just adds, for me, I think it just adds extra content. I hope the XFL, they've got like a producer in the booth just hovering over. It's called the dump button. If someone curses live on a broadcast, they can bleep out the audio. I hope mm-hmm. they just have someone hovering over that just because mm-hmm. one, one slipped through the cracks. I think it was in the first or the second game on Saturday, but it's entertaining. But, you know, you've got the sideline interviews. The conversions after touchdowns is great. So you get one point uh, for one yard out, two points for five yards out, and three points for 10 yards out after a touchdown. Uh, the kickoff formation, I think, could be something that the NFL could maybe even I thought that was I thought that was fire. Like, I love that. Like, somebody was telling me, like, why the hell? I said, man, because of injuries. Like, it's, it's, it's bringing down injuries. And it makes, it makes a lot of sense. So, now guys are, what, five yards apart, 10 yards apart? Yeah, yeah. So, the kicker kicks it from, you know, his side of the field. And then the yeah. defenders line up at the 35. Was- the receiving team gets lines up at the 30. And, yeah, I mean, Mark. that to me, and, I mean, we've talked about this in terms of, does the NFL need to eliminate kickoffs outright? And I have always told you, growing up, I loved watching Devin Hester return. Yeah, I don't think they should. Man of all time. And yeah, so, I don't think they should. But that, like, like how what you just said, the way the XFL is doing kickoff returns, perfect. Yeah, perfect. I, so I, I liked that. The booth reviews, too, I thought were great, too, because they're micing up the, the replay official, and you know, the replay official's got the Xbox controller and the booth and everything. But the transparency in, to allow the viewer to see that in terms of what the process is, in, in terms of instead of just keeping them in the dark, but – to include the viewer in on that, I thought it was just, it was great. It was great. Fans want to see that. The NFL has been a big boy for so long. NFL has been a big boy. This is our way of the highway. And we can always dish out enough money to get y'all kicked off. But the way the XFL is doing it, from the rule changing from the one yard to the five to the ten, one-point conversion, two-point conversion, three-point conversion. Then you go for, further in the depth in the, the booth reviews. So once you see all of that, the viewers, we act like we're right there with it. And that's just next generation kind of stuff. Like our generation, because I'm a visual guy. So now you clearly giving me a visual exactly on what's going on. So there is no NFL where you're in the booth, can't nobody hear you. You're looking in a you're looking in a uh, camera. You got the guy from New York talking to you. We can't hear what y'all are saying. So you mean now for the XFL, I can get a one. I can get a clear picture. Two, I can hear what you're saying. Oh, so this how that go? So it's just they're getting everybody involved, which the NFL doesn't do. But the NFL been having its rules for so long and been successful for so long. I guarantee you. And uh, you said it first, that the NFL will adopt some of these (laughs) XFL rules. I guarantee you that. I just like to see when there are rule changes, when it adds to the betterment of the overall product and the overall game. And I think a lot of times in sports, Major League Baseball especially, they'll adopt some of these rules where it's like, 
why are you trying to appeal to a consumer who is not going to take the time to watch and consume your product? Why are you trying to appeal to someone who's not actually going to spend that time watching and consuming your product? Appeal to the people who are and improve the product for those people who are already doing that. Then maybe with an improved product, then maybe you appeal to that person who's not currently watching you. But I think what the XFL has done to add on to a lot of the great things that the NFL does already do, again, I think it added to the debut, and I hope they can keep it going. You know you know what the XFL have over the NFL so far right now? Rules that are concrete. Concrete rules. Ain't no changing of the guard rules. This is what we're doing. This is, this is, this is what we're doing. Ike, just for so the you, listeners, what, what specifically are you referring to? You're referring to like what is and isn't a catch in the NFL? Are you talking correct. about the Sean Payton rule? What, correct. I just want to make sure for the listeners. So I, the I think listeners, I know what you're talking about. What I mean by concrete is there's no Sean Payton rules. There's no Des Bryant, Green Bay, Dallas, the ball hit the ground rules. If the referees, I'll put, I'll put it to you like this. If the referees called every game how they call this year playoffs, the NFL would be so much better because they just let them play. They just let them play. And we've said this all along as players, you're going to get away with a lot, and it's going to be some bad calls during a regular season. But the playoffs – these referees are keeping these yellow, these yellow flags in their pockets, and they're just letting you play. And you saw the ratings, and you saw how in tune these playoffs this year were so fun to watch because they just let the boys play. So that's what I did like. If the referees in 2020 playoffs can keep that same momentum going from here on out, NFL will be – fun to watch. There will be less talking about changing the rules. So Ike, I do want to go to, and we discussed this before the pod today, about your experience with the AAF as mm -hmm. a strength and conditioning coach. Mm -hmm. Just kind of what was your experience like there? And then how do you think that the XFL can make sure that it avoids the same fate that the AAF had? Man, just make sure your head got paying bills. Basically, that, that's what it really boils down to. Making sure, making sure the head man is paying his bills. I mean, I don't even want to mention no name because they don't be giving them props. But if anybody know anything about AAF, it was just basically on somebody not paying the bills. Um, you got investors who love the idea, love what they saw. Man, I used to, I was working for the Utah Stallions, you know, in the strength department, all because of Troy. Troy asked me to come. I said, I'm, I'm in the, I'm in the, whatever you need me to do, I'm in the. Um, he said, you would love the state of Utah, a lot of Polynesians. And um, that, that, that's, that's just something I didn't know. But when I got there, I'm like, golly, like, just I had a great time. I had a great time. It's just, and I've learned a lot about the Polynesian culture, what it is to be family. Because we didn't have too much to work with whatsoever. Between Ian, Ian was one of the head strength coach guys. Between Ian and myself and, you know, and the staff we had, we had a little, I had, I had to go back to when I didn't have. 
And for for me, a guy who is used to making millions and made millions for 12 years, to go back and to really backtracking this, you know, stuff people was doing for me as far as like moving weight, moving equipment, moving furniture. Like I pay somebody to do that. But that just brought me down to a whole different perspective. Like, hey, bro, don't forget where you came from. So for me, the AAF was a good experience. One, on the Polynesian culture. Two, how easy the NFL guys had it. Three, how a lot of the AAF guys didn't complain not one bit. So you were there for a few months. What? Yeah. Was there a memory that just sticks out about your time in Utah? I wanted to move though, to be keeping one hundred with you. I, I really, I really love the state. I really love the state. I was right next to Park City. Um, I got an Airbnb. My Airbnb was five minutes away from the Vivid Center, so I used to go to the games all the time. I used to walk like the whole area, and and then when it snowed, it. When it snowed, the sun was still out. Like, so if you're a skier, you loved it. I skied a few times, yeah. went to Park City. Like, that was just me. I felt like a local. Like, but just to see that culture from the Utah Stallions. Then when the guys found out who I was, you know, they they wanted something in the coaching part. They wanted to pick my brain. I started picking the brain. I didn't want to step on any coach's toes because I wasn't there for that. But you know, some of the guys started to pick my brain and I just started to, I told them what I saw on the field when, and when they trusted and they believed in me, when they transferred that thing on the field, them boys was making plays. I think the, I think the Stallions had number one defense. <laughs> Stallions had the number one defense at the time. And I used to watch tape with them and be like, bro, this is what I see. Or they, they used to come to me like, Coach Ike, what you see? I'm like, man, this, this what I see. You know, from a linebacker to a, to a to a secondary, you know this this is this is what I see. If you can do this, and you know, I was just like a proud dad. Like, damn, they really listening to me. You know what I'm saying? Like these guys really listen to. Me. But it was a humbling experience for me. They try to get as first class as you could, so say, but it's hard because you're not in the NFL. And that 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 humbled. That also humbled me because I'm I was used to a certain way traveling, meals all that good stuff. The lifestyle was different. You still keep in touch with anyone? Yeah, I still keep it with a few guys. But one thing I will say was them, them dudes, they didn't complain not one bit. They made the best of whatever that situation was. And that made me do the same thing. That made me do the same thing. So, yeah, um, I had a good time, man. I had a real good time in Utah, real good time. Real good time in Utah. And that's one thing, too, with, you know, having – a team from in the AF in Utah. I was texting some of my buddies during the XFL debut this weekend, especially a lot of my friends, um, University of Missouri grads. So a lot of my buddies live in St. Louis and are from St. Louis. And they're psyched to have a football team again. They're absolutely ecstatic that they have a football team. I've got another buddy in DC and he's excited because the XFL squad looks like it's, you know, I know it's one game, but like it's actually a competitive team compared to what he's had to watch with the Redskins the last few years. What I did like what Mr. Luck did, the head guy, the commissioner did, everybody's training camp was in Houston. So all the teams, all eight teams, the training camp was in one city, one spot. So you get familiar 
with teams. You don't have an edge, but you get an idea. And to have everybody in one spot, for me, I was like, man, that's perfect. Yeah, eight teams in Houston. He was breaking down the facility. He was breaking down the schedule. I'm like, man, so ain't, no, ain't nobody really got to go nowhere. So we ain't got to travel to scrimmage each other. We can get everything done. I was like, man, he, he ahead of the game. Um, of course, it's going to be hard for the NFL. Like, you got 32 teams. Like, it is what it is. Like, Latrobe ain't going nowhere. You can't get nobody to get out of Latrobe. Like, but at the same time, you know, we did scrimmage. Buffalo did come to Latrobe, and we did scrimmage Buffalo. But you have a few teams, and that's eight. Them eight teams get to sit in one city for training camp. I thought that was a, a brilliant idea. Um, ain't nobody got to travel. I ain't really got to spend no money. We can get familiar with each other. For me, I look at it like a brotherhood, you know? I looked at that like a brotherhood. NFL have his own brotherhood, but when you go through training camp, Mark, you really create a bond and brotherhood because it's a lot of stuff you're going through physically and mentally that the world wouldn't know, wouldn't understand because they'll never go through it. So when you share those moments with other guys and other teams, you know, that creates, of course, once the whistle was blown, it's time to knock his off. But you still create that bond when you do something like that. So, you know, I took my hat off to Luck and family on that one. And I'm excited to see if these guys do get an opportunity in the NFL. We'll see how they perform the next couple of weeks and everything, too. And it's something that we'll continue to watch and cover here on the Believe in Steelers podcast. Ike, I know you're a big scout and evaluation guy. Is there something that you're really looking forward to this offseason in the coming weeks? Oh, man. I want to know if, if San Fran can make it, can make it back. Oh, I, think, I think it's going to be hard for San Fran to make it back to the Super Bowl. I don't think they, I don't think they will. I don't, just as, as, as easy, as talented as they are, I don't think people understand how hard Ben ain't been back in about 13 years. <laughs> Aaron Rodgers ain't been back. Uh, Drew Brees ain't been back <laughs> in about 12, 13. So we saying this and we're acknowledging how good or great these quarterbacks are, but nothing is promised. Ain't nothing for sure. So Aaron Rodgers ain't winning since they beat us. That was 2009. It's tough. It's tough getting back. And I wonder, and, I, and I've talked about Garoppolo being a trailer. And at crunch time, you saw he was the trailer. Like that moment, that moment ain't big for everybody. Was not made for everybody. You know, um, Patrick Mahomes, he embraced that moment because he had a bad game. Had a few good throwing plays, but he had a bad game. But he's just like a Stephon Curry. Just keep letting me shoot, coach. Keep letting me shoot, coach. One I'm going to drop. That's just, that's, that's, that's what he reminds me of when you want to compare on the mindset. Garoppolo, more of very conservative. You know, he's a conservative kind of guy. Had all the right pieces around him. So I don't think as good as they were this year, and we all saw how much of a monster the NFC was this year. <laughs> 
ten and six. Ten and six got you as a wild card. <laughs> ten and six got you a wild card. Mm-hmm. You know, so yeah, for me, and I like Garoppolo, but I had him, and he had a shootout with Drew Brees in the dome. But uh, my question is, is Garoppolo? What's my guy from Minnesota? My quarterback, Kirk Cousins. Is Garoppolo Kirk Cousins? <laughs> Big picture for the listeners, if you want to just take this outside of Kansas City and San Francisco, the teams that win the Super Bowl, it's really hard to repeat. So if you're the Chiefs, I mean, good luck. I mean, I think they could do it and bring back a lot of talent, but history shows how hard it is to repeat as a Super Bowl winner. And then number two, the participating team that appears in the Super Bowl but loses tend to have subpar seasons. Now, there are exceptions to every rule. So it's not to say that the Chiefs couldn't win back-to-back Super Bowls. It's not to say that the 49ers could make it back and win the Super Bowl in the 2020 season. But what history tells us, and I think a lot of times we have to look back and see, okay, I know every season's different, but what does history tell us and can we learn from that? So how do those teams improve themselves to try to get back to the mountaintop and how do they try to get back to the big game in the Super Bowl? We'll see what happens. And it's, you mentioned the NFC, Ike. It's not just the NFC, that NFC West division. It's just a gauntlet. You'd imagine that the Rams will be back after being no, in the no. Super Bowl. Okay. Well, but Hey, at least be competitive, but Hey, we can agree to disagree there. We don't need to get into that, but right. Seahawks are always a formidable opponent. There's a reason why Russell Wilson was in contention to win the MVP this season. And Kyler Murray, I mean, he's up and coming. He'll be in his second year. We'll see if the Cardinals – that NFC West division, to me, is the most competitive in football. At least it was in 2019. I mean, for the NFC, the only quarterback, honestly, honestly, who's been holding it down is Russ. In the NFC, the, the most consistent quarterback in the NFC has been Russ. He's been holding that thing all the way down. I mean, you can scroll, you can look on your computer and try try to find a more consistent in the past 10 years NFC quarterback. No love for Jameis, huh, Ike? No. I'm just joking around. Not at all. Joking around. You know, Jameis. You're you're right, though. You're right, though. Yeah, Russ being the most consistent. So we'll see. The AFC, we'll see. Tom has been the most consistent in the AFC. We'll see if uh, Patrick Mahomes got something to say about that. No love for Daniel Jones? No. Nah, not at all. All right. Uh, we're, we're wrapping up here. I would like to thank all the listeners, um, all the sponsors, for watching, listening, tuning in, sponsoring the, the Believe In podcast with Ike Taylor and Mark Bergen. So I want to appreciate all y'all just staying tuned. We got some new things coming for 2020. Next week, uh, I promise you I have a, a guest online. I've been procrastinating, but I got something for y'all. Again, just want to thank everybody for listening. Yes, please rate, review, and subscribe. You can listen to the Believe in Steelers podcast wherever you get your podcasts, iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, Google Play, Luminary, iHeart, and tune in. Again, please rate, review, and subscribe. Yeah, Ike, I'm excited to get some guests on. I think next week might be our first week with a guest on this show. So be fun to interact with former teammates of yours, you know, people you worked with at the NFL Network, players in the league. Stay tuned for that. We've got 
a lot of that planned upcoming for you, the listeners. So that's going to be a lot of fun too. For Ike Taylor, I'm Mark Bergen. Thanks for listening to the Believe in Steelers podcast. We'll see you next week. So long, everybody. Peace. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile and the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time, there's Granger, offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.